Rex Allen. Life Reimagined, January 17, 2020. Wanted to read this story entitled, When Your Back Is Against the Wall. The Los Angeles Lakers were dominating the Boston Celtics in the final round of the 1984 NBA championship. We thrashed the Celtics in game one on their home floor. We beat them by 33 points in game three. We were ahead by 10 points in game four and cruising. Then it all changed. Two days after losing the deciding seventh game, we were back in Los Angeles for our last team meeting. I looked at the young faces and said, even though we lost, they can't take away our pride or our dignity. We own those. We are not chokers or losers. We are champions who simply lost a championship. We came back for the 84-85 season sharply focused. All year long, we heard about how we were the Showtime team that folded as soon as things got tough. The Celtics and their fans referred to us as the LA Fakers. Abuse and sarcasm were heaped on, and we had to take it. But we achieved a tremendous season and ripped through the playoffs. On May 27th, we got to face our tormentor, the Celtics, in the Boston Garden. The next day's headlines called Game 1 of the 1985 Finals the Memorial Day Massacre. The 148-114 to humiliation was the most embarrassing game in the history of the Lakers franchise. We saw ourselves become exactly what we had been called, choke artists, underachievers. Why is it, I wondered, that every time we play the Celtics, we become paralyzed with fear? Before we went out on the floor for game two, we gathered in the dingy locker room of the Boston Garden. The players were sitting there, ready to listen and to believe. Every now and then, you have your back pushed up against a wall. It seems there's nobody you can depend on but yourself. That's how the Lakers felt. If we lost, the choke reputation would be chiseled into stone, a permanent verdict. If we won, we had the opportunity to prove that we could keep on winning. It was a do-or-die situation. I faced Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, our star center, and said, when I saw you and your father on the bus today, it made me realize what this whole moment is about. You spent a lot of time with Big Al today. Maybe you needed that voice. Maybe everyone in this room needs to hear that kind of voice right now. The voice of your dad. The voice of a teacher. The voice of somebody in the past who was there when you didn't think you could get the job done. A lot of you probably don't think you can win today. A lot of you think, don't think that you can beat these Celtics. I want each of you to close your eyes and listen. And they did. When I was nine years old, I said to the players, my dad told my brothers, Lee and Lenny, to take me down to Lincoln Heights and get me involved in the basketball games. They would throw me into a game and I would get pushed and shoved. Day after day, I ran home crying and hid in the garage. I didn't want anything to do with basketball. This went on for two or three weeks. One night, I didn't come to the dinner table, so my dad got up and walked out to the garage where he found me hunkered down in a corner. He picked me up, put his arm around me, and walked me into the kitchen. My brother Lee was upset with him. Why do you make us take him down there? He doesn't want to play. He's too young. My father stood up and staring at Lee said, I want you to take him there because I want you to teach him not to be afraid. There should be no fear. Teach him that competition brings out the very best and the very worst in us. Right now, it's bringing out the worst. 
But if he sticks with it, it's going to bring out the best. He then looked at his nine-year-old, teary-eyed son and said, Pat, you have to go back there. And I told the players I thought I was never going to be able to get over being hurt and afraid. But I eventually did get over it. As I was talking, I was slowly pacing back and forth, staring at the ceiling, locked into the image of my father's face. Looking at the players, I saw that Michael Cooper, one of our stars, was crying. A couple other guys looked as if they were about to start. I don't know what's going to take for us to win tonight, I said, but I do believe that we're going to go out there like warriors, and that would make our fathers proud. We won the game. I never had any fears about losing. We also won three of the next four games, and the 1985 championship became ours. Seven times in Lakers history, the NBA Finals have been lost to those adversaries. Now, the Celtic myth was slain in the choke image with it. During the offseason, Michael Cooper told me that the pregame message had gone so deep for him that the score was already 5-0 before the game started. As a boy, Cooper had a grievous leg wound, an ugly cut through muscle. Doctors didn't think he'd ever walk right again, let alone become an athlete. He was sustained through those times by a wonderful mother and a devoted uncles. So he heard voices from his most profound inner reaches. All of us have at least one great voice deep inside. People are products of their environments. A lucky few are born into situations in which positive messages abound. Others grow up hearing messages of fear and failure, which they must block out so the positive can be heard. But the positive and courageous voice will always emerge somewhere, sometime, for all of us. Listen for it. And your breakthroughs will come. All great breakthroughs. Messages deny the crippling power of fear. Fear of failure will lead you toward despair wrong decisions, and incomplete performance. It's one of the last hurdles between any person or any team in greatness. Listening to the voice that counsels courage, that affirms your life and your ability, will position you to do your best. Thanks for listening to this story. What voice is it? What courageous, what positive voice is it that will emerge for you today? Until next time on Life Reimagined, onwards and upwards.